Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Dr. Rob Kelly. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm awesome. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Great to see you. So fabulous to have you, Dr. Robin. You have such a beautiful energy. You're out in San Antonio, Texas, living the dream. And I just I just can't wait to hear your story. I, I've read up on you. The work that you do is tremendous. And I just cannot wait to get into that. And so I'm going to start with my first question to get an idea of kind of how you got into this realm of what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend. Well, the homelessness uh, eventually, after I lost everything, kind of inspired me. And I was homeless for about 14 months. And I swore to myself, if I ever got off the streets, I would spend the rest of my life helping people with alcoholism, addiction, and childhood trauma. And that's what motivates me, even till today. Because we work with an array of people from all sorts of life. And it just inspires me to get up every morning to know that I'm contributing to the world instead of being left abandoned to die on the streets of Manchester. Wow. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So Dr. Rob, like what, what did you, where did you grow up? So you said Manchester in the UK? I actually grew up a place called Moss Side in Manchester. For those who don't know where it is, it's a bit like Beirut with lights. That's the best way I could describe it. It was uh, rough to say the least. My dad always jokes that he got his wheels off his car stolen uh, in Moss Side. He didn't mind, but he was going 45 miles an hour at the time. I mean, it's really, really, uh, you know, a terrible place to grow up, but I did. And then that's where my life started. I always wanted to be a musician. I was on stage with my auntie and uncle at the age of nine years old. It was also when I took my first drink when I was nine years old. Had amazing plans to become this famous rock and roll star. It never happened, but I came close a couple of times. I should have been the bass player in Oasis. That's all I'm saying about that. But yeah, just uh, just had fun, grew up in a in a, a poor but loving family. We can we can only afford two pair of shoes a year and two pair of socks a year. Never allowed to go on school trips, but it was it was a loving family. Mom and dad were amazing. Wow! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And so this was this was in the UK, right? Yes. Yes, in the in the UK. Where that beautiful accent comes from, which is my favorite. I love. Oh, thank you. I love that. Oh my goodness. So, so growing up, I, I grew up in Europe too. So I was born in um, in Albania, and then I moved to Rome when I was little. So, what were some of the who or what influenced you from a really young age? You mentioned you had your first drink at nine. <laughs> yeah, I think um, of all the people around me, I have to say my uncle Peter. Yeah, he's the one that taught me how to play guitar and he was he was getting a divorce at the time so he stayed at our house and every night he was a truck driver but every night he'd come home and practice songs for the weekend so he'd take this shiny guitar out which I later found out was a Fender Stratocaster and I would be in awe of him and then he taught me how to play this bass guitar my dad bought to me when I was about seven 
paid 29 pounds for it back in the day that's about three grand today which you had to get a loan for and then they're, they're started so definitely my uncle peter but as i got into my teens i started bodybuilding boxing and all that's great stuff but i met arnold schwarzenegger back in 1979 just after a underground movie came out called pumping iron and because we belong to the amateur bodybuilding association we got to pick him up from the airport and take him to their hotel and this changed my complete outlook on mindset because i was a bodybuilder so i had to watch what i ate and train but i was talking to arnold obviously he was kind of nobody back then he was into bodybuilding he was very big but he wasn't famous i remember asking him that the bodybuilding is great but what happens you know you can't do this rest of your life doesn't really pay that much back in the day and he says i'm gonna and i didn't say i'd like to he said i'm going to accomplish three things and i said okay he said the first i'm going to be the highest paid actor in the world well we, we nearly fell off the chair because he couldn't he's broken english nothing like today i mean he was really broken english I and mean, you can't be that's just not possible arnold anyway what's the second one and he said, the second one, I want to become a governor of a state in America, preferably California. Well, we fell off the chair then laughing because that was crazy. That was impossible as far as we were concerned. And out of curiosity, he said, what's the third? And he said, I'm going to marry into the Kennedy family. Check, check, and check. And after that meeting, I truly believed and proved possible with me and over 8,000 patients that you can be and achieve anything that you want to if you want it bad enough and yeah that changed my outlook and got me into eventually university which i studied psychology because of him wow oh my goodness and when did he make those announcements like when did he say that uh, 1979 yeah 1978 79 yeah definitely around that era but uh yeah and then obviously we saw him in a film we were proud of him and next thing we knew boom 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 all done and i always tell that story because i was it's like somebody saying to you especially back in the day when he's nobody, is I'm going to win the lottery three times in the next four weeks. The chances of doing that is, I don't know, one in 50 billion maybe. That's what he was saying to us, and yet it all came true. So then I started to delve into behavioral science, uh, neuro, neuroplasticity, neuroscience, and really got to know how the mind works. And this is why we have a 97 to 99% success rate where everybody around us as a two to 10% success rate is because we went far more advanced into the psychology and the science behind, you know, making champions. And, and we've worked with the most famous people in the world, government, pop stars, movie stars, TV stars, and uh, it's proven to be the case every time. And we love what we do because we do what we love. I love that. That is so, 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 so crazy. So to back it up into your story a little bit uh, before we get into this neuroscience, because I am all over that. I, I think it's tremendous what your mind can do and it can be your best friend or your worst enemy at the same time. And so we have to choose accordingly, right? Yes. And it's literally a, a free choice. So you had mentioned homelessness. How did that play into, walk me through the, the life story a little bit and and what what happened? what happened there? Well, I got married, had the uh, two children. I was heavily drinking at the time. I always remember when we, we were pregnant and it was time for the birth and I was drinking every day. And I went back, to, I went to the hospital with, with everybody and watched the birth and the baby got put to mom and then put, and I held the baby and I give the baby back to mom and I put my hand on the Bible and swore to my wife, to the doctor and to God, that I'd never drink again. 
because I have to be responsible. I lasted about four hours and then I had to drink. And then the second baby came, I took two Bibles to the hospital. I swore to my babies, to my wife, to the doctors and to God, both hands on Bible, I'd never drink again. It was the worst six hours of my life. So that should start to ring bells that I had a problem, but it didn't. So there's a lot of stuff in that uh, house that happened from the outside two brand new cars you know bmws and jaguars and the house was huge and it was all beautiful but inside the house was chaos i remember stabbing my wife three times one night because she won't let me finish my bottle of vodka i remember falling downstairs and nearly killing my child i remember taking it to the movies and leaving it there so i could go and have a drink in a, in a liquor store get some by the time I got back, the police were there. All the lights in the movie theater was on. I mean, just on and on and on the stuff I used to do. But eventually, I fled to Spain after stabbing my wife three times. And three months later, all charges were dropped. I came back home, and then she left. She took my babies with her, ages one and three, Charlie and Abigail. Abigail I've never seen since she was one years old. And uh, I got them back the next day from my attorney, and then three days later than that, I was found drunk out of my mind in the living room. The police kicked the doors in. The children had not been fed for two or three days and no diapers changed. And, you know, they kicked me awake and served me with unfit father papers. I staggered to, to my feet and I saw my little babies being taken out by the police. And my wife was there, mother-in-law was there, child services was there, child protection services was there, the police were there. And I remember this scene that always stuck in my mind is she had mommy's hand at the door. She's only three years old, so she's got holding mommy's hand and they're walking down the path. I stumbled to the door crying and just felt horrible. And my daughter, she turned around and says, Daddy, Daddy, please, please don't go. And then I'm crying, one of the police officers is crying. And then halfway down the path, she turned around again and said, Daddy, Daddy, please get better. And then as she got to the gate, they opened the big gate for her. And just before she went through the gate, she, um, she turned around one more time and said, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. I couldn't do it for them. I couldn't do it for myself. And then three or four months after that, everything had gone and I was on the streets thinking to myself, where the hell did that just go all wrong? But it was the alcohol. Still didn't think I had a problem though, Pamela. So thinking I could control it, but yeah, I was on there for 14 months, got in some terrible states, fought every day for my life to stay alive. It was a very rough part of town. And uh, yeah, and there I was, homeless. Oh my goodness. Uh, Dr. Rob, thank you so much for, for sharing that because, you know, looking at you today, right, and your success rate and the people that you've helped and all of that, you know, you would never think you had gone through such a thing, right? And what's important is that there's somebody listening right now that either they're going through it or somebody they know is going through it. And this will help somebody realize like, Hey, if Dr. Rob can make it through this traumatic experience, I can too. Right. It gives a little bit of courage. So I really am grateful for you sharing that. And I know it's not an easy one to talk about. So I appreciate that tremendously because you just never know who you can help by sharing these types of stories. Right. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I mean, at that point, it sounds like everything transformed in, in your life and, you know, it was a process to get there. So how did you bounce back from that point? Because you mentioned four months kind of back and forth with all of this. 
you have to remember that alcoholism at the time was an underground disease. Nobody understood it. Nobody wants to know. They used to stick people like me in sanitariums back 30 years ago, 40 years ago. You have to imagine the actual state and the area which I am. So latest statistics came out about 10 years after I got off the streets that 97% of people in Manchester who are homeless die on the streets. So I was one of 3% that got off and this is what happened. Monday morning, Sunday night, about 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm walking around where the factories are. There's no people there, all businesses. And it was pouring down with rain and I dropped on my hands and knees. And I was sobbing like a child from my stomach. My, the rain was coming around my face as I'm looking towards the ground. They mixed with my tears and they hit the cobbles on the floor and turned purple. I remember looking up and I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is really hurting from the belly because I was crying. I wasn't crying because I'd lost my wife, my children, my money, my family, my sister and brother. No, I was crying right there and then because I realized I couldn't stop drinking. And it took all of 40 months for me to have that breakdown. I looked up to the sky as a non-believer and I said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. And Pamela, 30 seconds, 40 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner. He had a little Bible in his hand. He'd missed his last bus home from Bible study. He came a shortcut that he's never been before because he's never missed the bus back to his house. He came across me, asked me, do I want help? I said, yes, I'm dying. This is after seven suicide attempts and on three, two occasions I died and they brought me back to life. I had a beard down here, vomit all down my front. It was, I was just a mess. So he, he took me back to his house and he let me bathe for the first time in about nine months. And he gave me new clothes and he told me he was a Christian. He also he was also a recovering alcoholic. And that uh, if I went to meetings within AA meetings, that I could stay at his house for as long as I did. That is where my life changed. Wow. 30 seconds later after you asked that, and that's not the crazy part, Pamela, because when I went to that meeting, he wanted me to go that night, I met a guy called John, and I asked John to sponsor me, and he said, no, but I will be your spiritual advisor for 12 weeks. So every Wednesday, I had to be there for seven o'clock. So I left the house, walked all the way there, seven, spent an hour with him, walked all the way back home for nine o'clock. I'm sleeping on a block mattress in this guy's basement, but I'm so grateful for it. After 12 weeks, this guy told me all sorts. He told me I'd come to America. He told me stuff that was impossible, just impossible. He said that things will change. It's after the 12 weeks, things will change from tomorrow. And the next day I'm at home because I was doing the cleaning around the house while Derek was at work. And 12 o'clock I heard the door going, who the hell's that? And it was Derek. He said, hey, the guy who's sweeping the floor and cleaning up has, has just walked out of the job. Do you want that part-time job? And I got it. So everything he told me came true. So. After the first couple of weeks, I got my first paycheck. It was cash stamped to an envelope. And I went to the gas station and I bought John a little teddy bear and a card. And I wrote in the card, John, thank you for introducing me to God because he, capital H, took the compulsion away to drink. And I went back to that man's house that I'd been 12 times before. And when I got there, the house doesn't look lived in. So I'm banging on the door and the right hand person came as a lady and says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, where's John moved to? And she said, John. I said, yeah, John lives here. Oh, there's nobody been in there for the last six to seven months that I know of while I've been here. So I let her close the door, went around to the other side and knocked on the door and this big guy come to the door. It's like, what do you want? I said, can you tell me where John's relocated to, please? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, John, in the next apartment. Yeah, you're stupid, he said. You've not been there for at least 12 months. He's derelict. You can't walk into it. It doesn't have a floor. 
So on the same day, that night, I went round to the meeting that I'd met him three or four months before. And when I went in, I went for the chairman. He goes, hey, Rob. I said, God, do you recognize me? He's like, yeah. Thank God for that. Can you tell me where has John been back? And he said, John. I said, yeah, I was over near the coffee machine. I was having this conversation about, you know, life. He was like sponsoring me and stuff. And he said, I'm confused, Rob. I said, why? I said, well, we were smiling because you were over near the coffee machine speaking to yourself. Never found that guy. In fact, when I got wealthy, I put the best private detective in Manchester trying to find him and nobody could cut with everything. But everything he told me and 70 to 80% of my program today came from him. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh my goodness. They couldn't find him. And he was the one that was your spiritual advisor for 12 weeks. Yeah. And when I went back and looked, started reading the Bible many years later, it was at seven and 12 are the other numbers to look for. Well, I was born on the 7th of the 7th, 61, which is seven. And he, he looked for him for 12 weeks and there was 12 disciples. And it was just, and I would not tell that story, Pamela, for about 20 years because I knew people think I was crazy or making it up. So I only started telling that a few years ago. And from there, I flourished and flourished and flourished. And then I got the opportunity when the internet kind of heard the chat rooms first came out. I met a lady on there who invited me over to Plano in Texas to talk to the youth ministry on alcohol, crack cocaine and drugs. So I came over for two weeks only. That was 15 years ago. I never went back. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm still mind blown about the story about John. I like that. That's a guardian angel right there. Yeah, yeah. Now I wouldn't admit that for 20 years. Like, don't be silly. No, 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 Robbie, Mac, no, sorry. I'm not having that go away. There must be a, a, a rational explanation of this, but I can never find one. And then what I've seen with working with over 8,000 patients is this. I've seen that there's no such thing as coincidences and angels and a God really do succeed and they will protect you and guide you. But I had to go through stuff. I had to go through that homelessness, Pamela. I had to go through the loss of the children. I had to go through all the traumatic events, childhood trauma to do what I do today. So when people go, would you change your past? My homelessness was like a semester at Harvard University. The things I'd learned from that 14 months that I now go forward, because people say like you did, I can't imagine you did it. So you don't know what it's like, Dr. Rock, to be homeless. Sit down, let me talk. To lose your kids, sit down, let me talk. To have your teeth kicked out. I've got, he's took me through all of this to be here. Now, I'm not saying God, 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 what I'm saying is, Uncle Jimmy, spiritual God, whatever, Buddha, and it doesn't make a difference. I believe there's a spiritual connection between oneself and something up there. And uh, I am living proof, but the more I work with patients and see miracles almost daily in front of me where people have given up on alcoholic drugs, where movie careers have dropped because of alcohol and drugs, and it's, they've been restored to sanity, it, it, it convinces me that, that that's how the world works. So that, about 10 years ago, is what got, got me into neuroscience. That's absolutely incredible, Dr. Rob. I mean, they say they say a lot of times that we're put through these lessons and they say that you know, God puts us on this earth or our higher selves, whatever you believe in, puts us on this earth for a purpose and puts us through specific lessons because we're meant to then teach other people how to. 100% agree with that, Pamela, from my experience, because I, I go on to, to educate, teach people. And when you see them going on to educate, teach people, it's phenomenal. 
So my one-year-old at the time, I've never seen since 30 years later, 32, 33 years, never seen her. But four years ago, I'm in bed with my wife and I got to leave. Messenger is the only time you get hold of me. Everything else is switched off. Ping, three o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh my God. So I was, I was fast asleep. I grabbed my phone and looked at it and the looks startled me like this because it was my daughter, Charlie Kelly, who was contacting me and he said, dad, I've just said, called me dad, Pamela. After all them years, she called me dad. And I had not heard that for so long. I was crying. I said to my wife, oh my God, oh my God, look at this. And she got up and we're both excited. We're dancing around the room. And uh, she asked me to come over. So the next red eye, we went over there and she said she wanted to show me something and tell me something. And she didn't believe all the rumors that she'd heard. So we went around and I stood on that doorstep, Pamela, and I went through, it was like the life of abandonment to my children and all the stuff I'd missed and all the stuff I should have been there for them. And I was crying. I'm just about to knock out of courage and she opened the door and we fell into each other's arms and we hugged after all this time Pamela we hugged and we cried a little bit and then she said come on dad I've got something to show you so we went into a living pool and she handed me my three-month-old granddaughter that's so beautiful right there and then this was only four years ago I knew that I had changed the world I knew that I've helped millions of people with the ripple effect and this was God saying good job now, because he wants to go back to school, so he's paid for it to go back to school. Now, as of about eight months ago, she's my lead therapist in my Manchester, UK office. No way. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. my God. I just got chills everywhere. God yeah, is good. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 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 So the message from that is don't, I don't care how far down the scale you've gone. I don't care what you've lost. I don't care what you've been through. You've done it for a reason. And everything will turn out good once you've learned the lesson or been picked by a God and uh, been chosen to be teachable. And you see the kids you've lost, you see the wife, you want, all, you'll get them all back. If you want to, you'll get them all back. I'm telling you, I guarantee it. With all the money I have in the bank, I guarantee that you will. You've just got to do the right thing. You've just got to help people. So now we're all wealthy, you know, we're great. What we do is 25% of our work is pro bono to people like me that couldn't afford it. And last year and every year since we've been in Texas, San Antonio, we used to live in Dallas four years ago, uh, me and my wife give $150,000 back into the community to help people, one parent families who need a lawyer, dad's trying to see the kids, suits for interviews for a job, legal fees. We started all that. So just two months ago, we started my foundation, which is the Rob Kelly Foundation. And that's just extra money to give people. So we just, I think giving, if you give to the right cause, you'll never go broke. Amen. Amen. That is so powerful. Oh my goodness. This is like the number one underdog story I've ever heard. And to see it go, go full circle is so beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. And the thing is the work that you're doing on the daily. I mean, this is uh, America's crisis, right? The opioid, the alcoholism, you name it. Everyone's addicted to something. And how do you, how do you break that? Right. So, and, and I, I truly do believe you were sent on this earth to go through that and to help other people go through it, because how could you help somebody if you hadn't gone through it yourself? Bang. Bang. No one's ever said that to me, Pamela. I've thousands of these I've done all the TV I've done, nobody's ever said to me, if you, if you can't do it unless you've been through it. Like if I go and see a therapist, 
and she's the most accredited therapist and got a PhD and everything. If you haven't been through what I've been through, you don't understand why I would stab you in the face repeatedly if you stop me having a drink. Mm -hmm. I go to other counselors and go, oh yeah, I would do exactly the same because they've been through it. So counselors who haven't been through it, specialize on all the other great stuff you do. You cannot help people like me because you don't know the way I think and react to certain things that's beyond my control. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really do think that's why you were sent on this earth, because again, you understand and you're able to pull them out. So I definitely want to talk about your work and, and what you've started and the revolution that you have. I mean, now your, your daughter's leading it in the UK, which is incredible. And then you've got it here in San Antonio, Texas. So walk me through that, because I think that's so powerful to see what you're, what you're doing in the world. Well, we have five officers around the world. We only take on six patients for me, and then the other five staff obviously had patients. So I knew I died on a couple of occasions with my alcoholism. Alcoholics don't get married, they take hostages. And I took my wife hostage for 12 years. So I, wanted, I knew there was something more of it, because all he said to me, Pam, is just stop drinking because of your kids. That's my dad's favorite line. What's wrong with you? Pull yourself together. And I couldn't, and yet I saw friends of mine stop drinking, who drank more than me, they stopped drinking. So I knew there was something there. So we started studying, and this was like 10, 12 years ago. We started discovering about neuroplasticity way before the, the, the it came out. We're far more advanced than other people and childhood trauma. And the way we can, neuroplasticity, we can remold the brain so we can change neural pathways from bad to good. We can look at the subconscious mind and the conscious mind fighting each other. So the prefrontal cortex is our decision maker. The only job it has is to come up with a solution as quick as humanly possible to my problem. Nine out of 10 times, it does a great job. The only problem with that, it doesn't have to be the right answer. So when I have to come up with a solution here, I draw from the subconscious mind where all that crap is that I went through, all that, you know, unhealed trauma that I went through when I should be drawing from the conscious mind. So we studied that. And then we came across with our trials, tests, and, and uh, exams that we did, examinations we did with people, is a couple of things. So alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made, and that blows mm -hmm. people's minds. Uh, alcohol is a predisposition. It's passed down from generation to generation. Only alcoholism does this. So alcohol and drug addiction slightly differ, but it's very important we find out why they differ. So I'm born an alcoholic. How am I born with it? Well, first of all, I'm allergic to alcohol. I'm allergic to the ethanol in alcohol, to be exact. Secondly, my hypothalamus, my basal ganglia, and my amygdala are different to anybody else in the world apart from other alcoholics. What the basal ganglia does, and that's our repetition strength and confirmed part of the mind is I'll do everything great everything will be fantastic and about 10 to the hour I will self-sabotage with me it was alcohol drugs sex porn whatever I get my hands on uh, magazines and stuff uh, and that will always happen until I clear the trauma up so we learned that then we learned that the hypothalamus that's a little part of the back which is kind of our survival instinct it tells newborn children that it needs to eat and drink water to survive. That's why they've either got their hand down the mouth, they're hungry, or they're holding near the belly because the belly's hurting. At a certain point of an alcoholic's drinking career, the hypothalamus turns around and tells the alcohol to drink alcohol only. That's why alcoholics can go days and weeks without food or water. So we're onto something there that nobody knew before, that that's why the real alcoholic can't stop. 
because the mind is telling it to drink. Now, to layman, you know, you drink every day, you're an alcoholic. That is not the case. What, you can't drink yourself into becoming an alcoholic. And people are mind-blowing. No, you can't. An alcoholic and a, and a heavy drinker or what, there's a difference. On a Friday night, the heavy drinker and someone who abuses alcohol should go to jail for the night. Alcoholics should go to treatment for the night. There's a huge difference. It's beyond our capability. That's why in 1999, the World Health Organization classed it as a disease. You know, we have no control over the chemical reaction when I take alcohol. Then when I take alcohol, so the mental obsession, it'll be different this time, things will change. I'm only gonna drink two beers. We drink it, now the physical allergy starts. So I get sick until I get alcohol in my body and I go into fits and all sorts of crazy stuff if I don't. So the cycle continues. With drug addicts, both show up the same, but with drug addicts, the drug addict has the addictive personality. This is where we see mums going for painkillers and the doctor cuts them off. Uh, shame on the doctor for starting them on there, by the way. So then they have to go to the streets. 95% of women that come to us, Pamela, 95% started in the doctor's office and they're all now heroin addicts. Started in the doctor's office. Something going wrong here, guys, you know? So we took the herbal, we took the non-addictive medication out and we don't prescribe anything, but we have a way to change this, change this, change your outlook, therefore change your behavior, therefore change your circumstances. That's 100% guaranteed. We are the only company in the world that will give you your money back if you relapse when finishing our program. As long as you continue to do the program, I'll refund your money. Never happened yet because wow. we know how to get over that. So when someone says once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, they're not talking about the alcohol. Alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism, same with drugs. I never had a drink problem. I always had a thinking problem, not a drinking problem, a thinking problem. Once you start studying that, of how that all works, and once we get rid of the trauma and the alcohol, this is my personal findings and opinion, is that the alcoholic and drug brains are far more superior than every human brain on the earth once they get clear. Wow. That is so fascinating. It's fascinating, right? Because you, most people think like alcoholics, they're just, you know, they want more alcohol and all of that stuff. And, you know, and I've dealt with loved ones who unfortunately have had alcoholism. And I always wondered, like, why can't you just put it down? You know, like, what, what is it about the drink that's so, you know what I mean? And it's like, once they have one, they can't stop. So it's like, you know, hearing the science behind this is really fascinating and really helps break it down, especially for loved ones that are like, how do I help my loved one through this? You know, and I guess that would be the number one question, Dr. Rob, is like, you know, if, if somebody's listening who has somebody struggling or is struggling themselves with drug or alcohol addiction, what would you recommend? What are some of the first steps to kind of help them understand and break? Let's remember that alcoholism is still uh, swept under the carpet. No one likes to admit it. You don't want to admit that your cousin or brother or father's an alcoholic, so it's all washed under the carpet. We are gradually bringing it out. First thing I tell anybody is dialogue. Start that conversation with that person. Alcoholics will never think they're drinking too much. I didn't think anything was go wrong until over a year on the streets. So the honest conversation, and I say this with parents and children as well, have that conversation. If there's alcoholism in the family, start teaching your kids at the age of nine, eight, nine, and ten about the disease in the family. 
and then get seek proper help. There are many treatment centers out there that we absolutely adore. Psychologists, psychiatrists, 20%. 80% are in this for the money. They're not gonna help you. They're just gonna stick you in a treatment center for $30,000. And when you relapse, because you will, because nothing's changed, they'll welcome you back in for another 30,000. So there's a lot of charlatans out there. I would say 80% of people don't know what the hell they're doing, but they pretend they do. There's no cure for alcoholism. There's no cure for the common cold. But there's certain ways around it to make sure I don't get the common cold. Same with alcoholism, you know, but people don't want to do that. So what I always offer people is call us, the Rob Kelly Group, call us. A 10, 15-minute conversation to give you some clear advice. It's not going to cost you anything. It's my people talking to your people. It's my family helping your family. Now, if you want treatment, that's a different thing. First of all, you can't buy our services. You have to earn them. I need an assessment to make sure you're ready so I can guarantee mom and dad, husband or wife, that you're going to fully recover and go on to change the world and do something amazing. Unless I can guarantee that I'm not taking you on. Everyone thinks I'm, that's not a good business model, Rob, Rob. That's not a good business model, Rob. How, how do you do that? We turn down more people than we take on. You know what? We're still, we're still a multi-million dollar company because God rewards that stuff. I, you can't come in. I, I turned Britney Spears down 14 years ago for a million dollars because she wasn't ready. Next day, she's shaving her head in the papers. It's like, you can't buy any guys. You really can't. I've seen enough miracles and I've seen enough devastation. You can't throw a checkbook at me. That's not the way we work. So start dialogue, call us for that 15 minute chat. We'll give you all the advice and direction you can. The only thing we won't do guys is we won't refer or come up with a, a therapist or treatment center. You go, we don't do that. We'll give you advice as parents, as husbands or wives. We can give you advice about that. And it's real simple once you get down to it. Mm -hmm. Is if your son or daughter or partners, a real alcoholic. And the way to say two things, when you take the first drink, can you stop for six months or a year? My answer is no. And is there any alcoholism in the family? Trace back three generations, but be careful. By the time you get to granddad, it'll be granddad like to drink alcoholic. Okay. And then what? Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. 10 DWIs do not make you an alcoholic. A warning from the doc. Nah, uh, uh. Something happens here and then here when i drink that doesn't happen to the normal person wow wow oh my god well it's absolutely fascinating that you said you can kind of see these scenarios from day one you have to be ready for the miracle right and some people just aren't so i want to say something real quick you know it, it, guys if you're at home and you listen to this or watching it and you're in that place I've just described, where you don't think you're going to amount to anything, you're never going to think you're going to be anybody, and your life is hopeless. First of all, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. Babies are born with million dollar minds. Stop hanging around 10 cent minds, and babies are only born with two fears the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is man made. How many times have I told you, Robert, you can't go to college like your brother, you're too stupid? That stays with us. So if you're that guy, and I'm a crazy busy guy right now, but if you're that guy, I want you to call me on my personal cell phone number, 214-600-0210. I, not staff, that's my personal phone number, it's not the office or my assistant, I wanna give you a 15 minute pep talk that will change your life. And do you know if it doesn't, I'm gonna send you $100 for wasting your time.
That's incredible, Dr. Rob. Did you guys hear that? Like, he literally just gave his cell phone number over to you. My goodness, please take that. Like, see, this is somebody, you are somebody with such heart and integrity and you, it's just amazing the miracles that you're creating out there in the world. Because you had mentioned 8,000 patients worldwide. That's incredible, Dr. Rob. It's the only way to go. You you, you know, if, if you ask somebody to, you know, do what I say, not as I do, you don't come over as genuine. If you want what I have, you've got to do what I did. That's the bottom line. And if you do, I can guarantee you uh, an amazing, successful, and whatever success looks like for you, finances, great wife, best dad of the world, get your kids back, find that job, find that 10-year-old car, it makes no difference. Whatever you want to be, you can be. And quantum physics backed me up on this that you can really be. And people used to always say to me years ago, Pamela, well, I can't be president of the United States. Guys, forget your political views for a second. We had a freaking business in one of the country. With no political experience whatsoever, we had a business. Don't ever tell me you can't do what you want to do. Dreams become reality. It's all about this. If you can visualize something, you can hold it in your hand. So imagine a basketball court. Quantum physics says nothing's real solid. So on that basketball court, I can be 12 places at the same time. So I imagine myself 12 spaces in the basketball court. Where do I want to be today? Well, I want to be near the goal. So when I get the ball, I've never played basketball. I get the ball, I'm going to put it in the net, I'm going to be in hero of the game. Okay, how are you going to get there? I'm going to walk over and take that position. I'm not going to beg for it. I'm not going to crawl for it. I'm going to walk over and take that position because I've visualized it and it comes true once you visualize it. And walk over and take it, guys. We don't have time, by the way. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. No. No, we don't have time. Parents, how many times have you taken your child to kindergarten and then, oh my God, I was taking it to kindergarten one day. The next thing I know, I'm taking it to college. We don't have time. Date that girl, date that guy, buy that house, buy that car, take that chance now. Because if you don't, you will not live a full life. And most people live between 40 and 55% of their capability because they don't think they're good enough. And as well, listen, as well, if you want to add five years to your life and you want to make sure that your body is performing 100%, oxygen, the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. We only breathe in 25% of our lung capacity. Do you know why you feel so good going to the gym? It's not the exercises. <laughs> okay, and oxygen in. So I do 25 <sighs> every morning, get the oxygen in, get it around, clear the brain, ignite the central nervous system, ignite everything in your brain and start living that dream instead of dreaming of living. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that, Dr. Rob. You are incredible. Seriously, you really are on so many levels. And the work that you do is tremendous. And I, this is my favorite question. And I'm so excited to hear what you say on this one. Business, personal, whatever comes to your soul. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? What would be the one thing? Nobody really cares. And what I mean by that is I used to do my hair and make sure my matching clothes. And let, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. They've all got their own problems. So take risks, you know? I would say, stop worrying, take risks. You're gonna be amazing. You get that? I'm gonna love that inner child. You're gonna be amazing, I guarantee you that. And that takes a new prospect out in life. And that's what we should be telling our young kids today. 
you can achieve anything you can be anybody you're going to be amazing you know and stop putting our kids on adderall at five six years old and making them zombies for the rest of their life life is for living dads start being dads moms start being moms your kids are not your best friends they're your children set the boundaries they'll grow up right and make you proud and one day when you have to go to an old people's home they might even let you stay at their house <laughs> I love it, Dr. Rob. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh my goodness. It's so incredibly inspiring. I, I, oh man, I'm mind blown by you truly. And I'm really grateful for hearing your story, everything that you've been through and the incredible work and how you're changing the world literally on an everyday basis and helping people all around the world. So I thank you for that on behalf of humanity. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Oh, thank when I'm excited to hear in your world what's happening in the next like in the next few months what's what's going on so I'm, I'm meeting some of the best influencers in the world in November they'll they'll be big names you'll know them all they're all household names and me on six yachts we're going to swap the yachts and speak to these people and really inspire them uh, I got a huge podcast coming out with uh, Eric Warre. He's got about 8 billion followers. I don't know how many he's got. He's got to loads. So we're changing that. And then look out San Antonio. We're going to be open in the next six weeks. The, the one and only English tea shop stroke cafe. The only place you're going to get English food served by English people in the same place. So look out for it. It's called the Old English Tea Shop. S-H-O-P-P-E. If you mention, if you come in and go, hey, I saw you on Pamela, you can eat anything you want. I won't charge you. How's that? <laughs> That's beautiful, Dr. Rob. Oh, my God. I love that. That sounds absolutely amazing. An English tea shop. Oh, my goodness. Next time I'm in Texas, I'm going to have to come by and come see we'll take you. Care of you. We'll take care of you. Believe it. We'll, take, we'll, we'll change your life in a day. How's that? That sounds absolutely incredible with some tea on the side. Some tea on the side <laughs> with the little finger up like this. <laughs> I'll make sure to put a, put a pinky ring that day yes, and take a yes. picture together. Excellent. <laughs> sounds good. Oh, Dr. Rob, seriously, you are tremendous. I, I'm in such gratitude and awe of you and just thank you so, so much for being here today, for sharing your story, for blessing the world and being who you are. Now you've got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness, my friend. Well, in case you're just listening and not watching, I spell my name with two B's, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com is the website. Jump on any search engine, just put Dr. Rob Kelly. Don't forget the two B's. And are there pages and pages will come up, say hi, send us a message, you know, just, just keep us involved and we'll keep you involved and just let's grow and change the world as a group. You know, let's do it together. It's going to be freaking awesome, guys. So I look forward to it. I only have five. I am, I'm limited at 5,000 friends, but unlimited on followers. But I, I, for this show, because I knew that's the question, I got, I ticked off 30 old friends that I never really see anymore. So I have 30 spaces on my Facebook. Maybe you join now and friendly, or whenever this comes out, I'm going to take yours and off we're going to go. You're going to be one of my friends and we'll go forward. I love it, Dr. Rob. Thank you so much again for being here. I'll make sure that I add myself into one of those slots of 30 to add you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Underdog, underdog.
like some underdogs. underdogs.